Salute. Slancha. Cheers. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Woodenville Wine Country's 90-point-plus Reserve Night on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and events with your guide, master of mixology, and Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. So sit back and get ready to stir it up. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on 570 KVI. It is Happy Hour here in the Puget Sound region, the Great Pacific Northwest. Welcome to Happy Hour Radio here on 570 KVI. I'm your host, Advanced Sommelier, your master of mixology, your commodore of cocktails, Christopher Chan. So glad that you're here. Um, I hope you'll invite your friends to join this party because it's always fun on Happy Hour Radio. I've got some great guests today. Uh, We're going to be chatting with Tom Hedges of Hedges Family Estate, uh, Adine Vitali with Tasting Room Magazine, and Lisa Bear of Bear Winery in Woodenville. Um, speaking of Woodenville, don't forget uh, April 25th, which is my father's birthday. Uh, Reserve Night in Woodenville. We're gonna they're throwing a big party for him up there. It's called Reserve Night in Woodenville, and uh, there's also the last call for passport to Woodenville. So you got two weekends to party responsibly, of course, as always. And uh, if you want to. Do some planning for the summertime. You know what's great in the summer is Walla Walla. A place so nice they named it twice. Hey, they got the Celebrate Syrah event. It's world class. It's uh, a world Syrah celebration. June 19th and 21st. Uh, tickets available at wallawallawine.com and uh, woodenvillewinecountry.com for those reserved night and passport tickets. So uh, we're going to jump in right into the show. Um, I won't tell you what I did this weekend, even though it was my birthday week this week, and you can sing me happy birthday. Lisa Bear of Bear Winery, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you. Thanks. For, I'm glad to be here. Um, so tell me about Bear. That's the name. And uh, we know that uh, you lost your partner. Um, when did when did we lose Bear? Bear. Lance. Lance. Yeah, Lance, my brother, um, passed away in 2006. So it's been my dad and I. So we've kept it in the family. We're, we're keeping it going as his legacy. So, um, yeah. So 2000 was our first vintage. So we're about... I guess midway midway through there yeah coming on 15 years we're 14 right yeah, now huh? i know it's, and it only uh, you, seems like a, it only seems like 25 no <laughs> <laughs> you uh started winville is that right or did you have a garage someplace else Pretty technically, Woodenville. There was a short time of a garage in Issaquah, but for the most part, the the actual production, storage, inspiration was in Woodenville. So it's it's pretty much always been based in Woodenville since that first vintage. And you've come out with an iconic label. I thought in 2000 it was really, I guess you would have been like winery number 370 or something. Back right in around 2000. there, yeah. yeah. Right, a little or, or low 400s. But uh, yeah. Low 400s. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Bear Winery, uh, you can check out all their wines at bearwinery.com. But you've got a great label. It's very simple. It's elegant. And I've always liked the names. You've got uh, names like Ursa and Arctos and Callisto. Um, What's the uh, idea behind those? Well, we did. Yeah. So Bear Winery, it's our last name, um, did actually surprisingly took us a long time to come up with that because we tried to get real (laughs) fancy and come up with all these names. We're like, you know what? It's us. We're small. It's our family. So we went with Bear Winery. And then playing off of that, um, we went with, so Bear, er, pardon me, Ursa was the first blend that we made. It's still our signature blend, the one that most people know and, and kind of the favorite of people that know our wines. And Ursa is Latin for bear. 
and we went on the Ursa Major, Ursa Minor constellation theme. So some of the early labels had the full constellation or a little bit more literal. And then we were lucky to um, actually after the first um, the first bottling, we didn't have labels. So we it was it was quite a while. We were a, a little bit up to the wire. Kind of we really wanted it to be something we would stick with and not. Well, OK, now there's a goat on it. Now, you know, my neighbor designed it and there's a mountain. We really wanted it from the get go to be our branding and what people would know us as. So we were um, lucky to hook up with a really tant- talented designer who very creative, but also also based in some packaging and just came up with a really simplified, just the one star. And we've we've basically had the same label since then. We've always been happy with it. I think people know it. Um, and I think we were, um, yeah, it worked out very well for us. I've always admired the packaging. And uh, you are right. There are lots of goats and uh, neighbors artwork out there in the world <laughs> of wine labels. And uh, I certainly appreciate a little more professional touch, obviously, uh, when you're on premise, you want to show that bottle off on the table at Canlis or at the table at John Howie Steak or or any of those fine restaurants around town, and um, um, it looks great. And uh, so, Ursa, that was the first red wine you produced. Yes, yeah. And what's the uh, sapage here? What's the blend? <laughs> the blend. Okay, I know all these fancy words. Um, it's Merlot Cabernet Franc based. It always has been. It's about equal parts of those, approaching 50% in the 40s. Um, there's some Malbec, some Cabernet Sauvignon in there, occasionally some Petit Verdot. Um, but really, it's based in the Merlot as that kind of a lush yes, backdrop. Yes, it's always, always been very soft and generous. And I uh, see so you've got um, the white wine, the Chard, which is a cute name, S-H-A-R-D, uh, the Chard Chardonnay, correct? Yes. Nate, yeah. um, well, I see you poured some in my glass, and and while we're gonna, I'm gonna sip on this. I'd like, to, what's happening in Woodenville? Where's the energy? I know that you've got some new neighborhoods there. What's happening up there? Oh my gosh, it's it's great to finally see it taking off. So yeah, so we've been there since since basically 2000 for about the past six or seven years. We've been up in the warehouse district, and it, which is the warehouse district now. So kind of distinct from at the other end of town there, about you know, a couple miles down the road there. There's the the Hollywood Schoolhouse area. There's um, is it that far? I need to get an overhead viewfront. So the roundabout that's kind of like center of Woodenville for me. The center to me is a warehouse district. Okay, <laughs> no, it, it is. No, yeah, it's it, so that's that is kind of being I think identified as the heart of Woodenville. It's close to Willow's Lodge, to the Chateau, kind of the pioneers there who who staked the wine industry in Woodenville there. Um, so yeah, so there's definitely different areas. There's a lot more infrastructure coming in where people can during their tasting they can stop for lunch. So that's why I say there's something in between. Taco time and the herb farm now. There's some mid-ground, which I love both of those. But you can grab a burger. Hollywood Tavern is a really cool spot. Um, Willow's Lodge, oh, yeah. Fireside. So there's some really fun, casual places coming in where you can just grab a snack, grab something, and be on your way and continue tasting and not have to, you know, to, to leave Woodenville or to, you know, yeah. pack a lunch or something like that. Run so around to find some food. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. So it makes your whole overall experience better. So we have the Hollywood district, school district, then we have the warehouse district. Is there another neighborhood that to be determined or to be defined? I think those are the two main ones Because there's right like now. two sides to the uh, warehouse district, right? The left side and the right side. Where's Ephestes on the right side and... There, yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, if you really wanted to split it up, I consider the warehouse district pretty close because FSD is probably 
you know, maybe the equivalent of a block from us. I mean, yeah. it's in a different complex, but really it's not, you know, it's it's very close. It's walkable even from us. So it's. And yeah. will you be participating in uh, Reserve Night in Woodenville? Yeah, Reserve Night. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we're focusing on some um, segmented event just with over 100 wineries in Woodenville now. So there's rather than the, the big passport, which you mentioned, this is the last year for passport. Last call. Which, yeah, so in in the past, you know, when Passport started, there was 10 wineries, 12 wineries. You could easily do them all in a weekend. We didn't, for the most part, have tasting rooms, so that was the opportunity. And now, even with the best of planning, it's hard to come out for a weekend and say, okay, I'm going to go to 50 wineries and pick. <laughs> Pick your top, you know, favorites. So, yeah, so the the 90 and the 90-plus events are a little more segmented, a little smaller, little bite-sized piece of Woodenville you can easily do in a couple hours. And it also highlights what Washington State has to offer, as well as Woodenville, is a really high percentage of high-scoring wines, and I think very affordable ones that people might think, oh, it's just down the road, and they don't think of, you know, they think there are Woodenville residents that go to Napa, they go to France, and they say, oh, I've never been here, and we're two miles from them with world-class wines. And that's so that's right. what we're going to show people. Woodenville is so close, and yet uh, it's a destination. It's far enough to be a destination, but close enough not to be uh, too far away. Um, speaking with Lisa Bear of Bear Winery, you can check out her wines at bearwinery.com. And uh, coming up on the show, I've got Tom Hedges with Hedges Family Estate. And Adeen Vitali here. Uh, we're going to chat about Tasting Room Magazine. When we come back from this break, we're going to dive into this shard. Uh, Stay tuned to Happy Hour Radio. enjoy fine wine, you're in the right place at the right time. Washington is home to over 700 wineries and now has more 90 plus rated wines than any region in the world. On April 25th, uncork the best of the best during Woodenville Reserve Night at Willows Lodge. This is arguably the richest evening of wine in the Northwest. Nothing but award winning 90 plus rated Washington vintages. Woodenville Reserve Night. It doesn't get any better than this. See WoodenvilleWineCountry.com. Hi, this is Christopher Chan, your host of Happy Hour Radio. Join me every Saturday right here at 11 a.m. on 570 KVI. And save the date, June 19th through 21st, for Celebrate Walla Walla Wine, the world of Syrah. Tickets and information at wallawallawine.com. Time for another round. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio, Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Sponsored by Woodenville Wine Country's 90-point-plus Reserve Night. With Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. Hey, and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio here on 570 KVI. I have a great lineup of guests here today. Uh, Adine Vitale with Tasting Room Magazine, Tom Hedges with Hedges Family Estate. And my pleasure to chat with Lisa Bear of Bear Winery. Uh, check out her wines at bearwinery.com. Uh, we're talking about 90-plus point wines uh, for Reserve Night in Woodenville, but I've got a great glass of Chardonnay in front of me. And tell me about this wine called Chard. Chard. Well, we um, really focus on red red blends, Bordeaux varietals, but um, partly for when we do winemaker dinners and such, we needed a white wine. Um, we also, we we like to make wines that we like. So our name's on the label. We need to be proud of it. We need to enjoy it. And if we get stuck with it, we need to drink it. So <laughs> just in or case. Or cook with it, no. right? <laughs> no. You make some vinegar. Yeah, we want to make something we enjoy. And so we went with, we kind of did some experimental 
trials on an unoak Chardonnay. So Chardonnay being to us a really delicate fruit that we didn't want to kind of mask or change too much with oak. So we went with the stainless steel. There's no malolactic fermentation on it. So it's very crisp. Um, the fruit comes through, I think, a good acid balance. We age it on the lees, um, do a little bit of that to give it a little creaminess and mouthfeel so it's not so puckery with the acid. So it's it's our, yeah, it's our unoak Chardonnay Shard. We try to keep it easy to pronounce, easy to order <laughs> on a menu. Easy to say, easy to drink. Um, Not intimidating at all, the Shard, S-H-A-R-D. Yes. Um, I also see the, the Ursa here, and you, you mentioned that was a Merlot blend. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me about some of the other wines you produce. So we do, so um, yeah, Merlot Cabernet Franc. We love to blend with the Cabernet Franc. The counterpoint to Ursa, the second wine that we developed, was the Arctos blend. So going more in a Cabernet Sauvignon direction. Um, so that one is more than 50% Cabernet Sauvignon, typically the Arctos. Um, Cabernet Franc in there. Um, we have also went the other direction um, two vintages ago with Star, which is a more Merlot base, kind of an entry-level wine for people who are getting into blends or just learning to enjoy some Washington Merlot that we think has a lot to offer. And that was called Star? Star. Again, easy, easy to... Say, spell, drink. <laughs> and then um, the latest one that we have come out is Callisto, part of that kind of the, the constellation mythology naming. And that's fully into a Cabernet. So 77% Cabernet Sauvignon. So going into probably our boldest blend. But we like to keep them pretty smooth, not something. They, they are selling exceptionally well. Just open some of the first vintage tasting great. But we want these to be a really a Washington expression of the Bordeaux varietals. So pretty lively, fruit forward, relatively early drinkers, nice and smooth and ready to go right out of the bottle. I love that you know what you're talking about. You actually have an idea, a vision, and <laughs> uh, you're delivering in the in the glass wow. as well. I poured the uh, 2010 Ursa here and you have been very consistent in the mouthfeel. It's very soft. But you know, we, we know that vintage variation can um, sort of change the dynamic of a wine, but 2010 and 2011 are some of my favorite vintages because you've been able to maintain this generous mouthfeel, but also that structure and uh, acid and tannin with uh, the vintage here, it's going to be long-lived. I, th- I think you've got the best of both worlds. Great. Thank you. That's that's what we're going for. So our, I guess our job is done there. <laughs> well, I hope you keep on working because I've always enjoyed this wine and I had this on the list at the Rainer Club when I was uh, somebody on the floor there. Um, so I'll see you at Reserve Night in Woodville. And uh, will you be pl- participating in Passport as well? No. Okay. No, last so, call yeah. for you then, huh? Yeah, you... last call. <laughs> <laughs> what else is happening up there? Anything fun? Oh, There's a skillets God. event. Oh, yeah, that's part of the um, April. I don't know a lot about it, Cellars and Skillets, but again, where they're working with some of the um, the new restaurants there and some of the wineries and kind of a, a food and wine experience. So really bringing all of the elements right. into it. Great chefs and great wines mm-hmm. and a great time. It's that easy. Up in Woodville there. So uh, make your plans, WoodvilleWineCountry.com, and uh, be sure to check in with Lisa Bear at BearWinery.com. Lisa, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour. Thank you. Thanks. Adine Vitale, uh, that's a great name, Vitale. Italian. Um, sounds Italian. It is Italian. Yep, it's a uh, Vitale. Vitale. Well, uh, what do you, how do they say uh, welcome in Italian? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, I'm a Norwegian uh, Italian. <laughs> Thank you. It's nice to be here, Christopher. So you are the founder, publisher, co-editor of Tasting Room Magazine. Is that correct? That is correct. And uh, this is a really beautiful magazine. You've got great pictures and great covers and some great writing. Tell me about the genesis of this. 
Well, yes, it's um, it's a labor of love. Um, I've, I'm a Washingtonian and have been wine tasting in the state for many, many years. I've really enjoyed seeing the growth in the industry. Um, just 10 years ago, there was 400 wineries. Today, there's over 800 wineries, and it's growing and growing. Wish that was like my stock portfolio. That'd be really cool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so six years ago, my partner slash husband and I were out wine tasting in eastern Washington. Uh, we go eastern and western Washington. And this particular time, we were headed to a winery, and when we got there, they had moved. And, oh, and all that way. All that way. And so we went next door to another winery and said, you know, where has such and such winery moved to? You know, I think they're across town now. And we came across that theme throughout our travels. So we started looking around. We knew there was growth in the industry. And we looked around for a publication, a guide, something that kept people up to date on the Washington wine scene. Right. And there wasn't any. And we're you know, having a publishing background. We said, you know, there's a need for this. And... Washington Tasting Room Magazine was born. And what was the first year, that year? That was, uh, our first issue was fall of 2009, so we're actually celebrating our fifth anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary. (laughs) Thank you. All that. Um, Well, this is so fun. How do you get to choose what the uh, covers are, and and who writes the stories? We have a team of writers, so we assign stories um, for, you know, looking across the state and... um, some of the stories we write ourselves. We have a, a few photographers that we hire. We also take some of our own pictures. The covers are always interesting. We, we usually have a couple choices. We bring in, you know, some uh, people and ask them, you know, what do you think of this? For example, the particular issue that's out right now, the spring issue, this is the first time we featured a, a couple on the cover. We've usually done grapes and vineyards. And so we were like, I'm not sure. And, and our, our panel of people that we tallied said we love it and it it draws you in and and so the cover is a couple out going horseback riding on red mountain on red mountain is that the clipson that's at the clipson gazebo exactly Uh, so if you ever wanted to know where red mountain is or what it looks like uh, grab a copy of tasting room magazine the spring 2014 issue has a picture of red mountain how appropriate tom hedges we'll uh we chat about red mountain here today and um this issue is really cool because uh, Taste Washington just had this great seminar called Washington versus the World. And lo and behold, you beat them to the punch. Uh, you've got, uh, well, some of the best Washington grapes, which I think are the Grenache, Syrah, Morvedra wines. Um, you've got Mary Hill. You've got this great article about uh, Washington versus the World. And tell me, who was the writer for this this particular article? We have a tasting panel who tastes the the wines. And we've actually featured this this. Uh, article, Washington versus the World. It's been a theme we've had for a couple of years. So what we do, the thought behind it is, is to connect our readers. And for example, if our readers love tasting GSMs, which is Grenache, Syrah, Morvedre from France, we're saying, try these Washington wines. So connecting the dots between maybe a European wine and a Washington varietal. This is really fun. As the industry has grown so so well and so successfully, um, there's lots of, of names and faces. And sometimes it's easy to, to find the new winery, whereas we have Bear Winery's been with us for 14 vintages. And you go, well, who's newest on the block? But you're right. The magazine I'm looking through, and you see all these great winemakers, these great facilities, the tasting rooms, and you get to meet the people of Washington State and beyond, right? I mean, this is some Oregon stuff. and Yep. Yep, yeah. we've, we've done uh, Oregon themes, and um, yeah, it's really it's it's about uh, 
introducing our readers to the people behind the Washington wine and telling the stories. There's so many stories to be to be told. Everybody has a story. Everybody That's has what a I story. like about Happy Hour Radio because everybody gets the chance to tell their story. <laughs> um, oh, you've got cheese pairings. You've got some food in here, and this looks. I'm hungry right now. It's 11 a.m. <laughs> and see, Saturday. That was a fun. It's time for lunch. <laughs> it's Happy Hour here. Um, you know, hey, speaking of Happy Hour, do you have a great Happy Hour restaurant you like to go to? I like to go to this place called O Asian. Where's it's up that? on Fifth Avenue, Fifth and Columbia. It's the best happy hour. It's the tastiest Chinese food. Um, place is clean and very, uh, very clean and great service and great food. Anyway, I, I die. Uh, Digest. I got to digest that. Do they serve Washington wine? <laughs> of there? course they do. They're big Washington wine fans. And um, hey, so how does someone get a chance to or find your magazine? You're available in most stores, or yep. you go online. And uh, what's the website if someone wants to subscribe to Tasting Room Magazine? Yep, we're WashingtonTastingRoom.com, and we're on newsstands across the state, also in uh, Oregon, Idaho, and Montana. People can also find us in about 150 wineries and tasting rooms across the state. So if you have a chance or you see a copy at a winery, pick it up. And if you like it, you can subscribe. We have subscribers. That was actually the biggest surprise for us. We have subscribers in over 30 states. And, wow. um, yeah, people are really interested in Washington wine. So cool. it's fun to hear stories and get letters and phone calls from subscribers. Say we had one from Houston, Texas. I want listeners in 30 states. <laughs> <laughs> we streaming live. Hey, and don't you do a little contest as well, a little write-in something or other? We do. We do a quarterly reader sweepstakes. So, for example, all you have to do is be a subscriber or send us a postcard. And um, Wow, our fifth anniversary reader contest. Five lucky readers will win a night at Willow's Lodge in Winville. Yep, that just happened, and we just drew the names for those five Oh, really? Oh, March 30th, under- I'm late. Yeah, yeah, but but like I said, we have reader sweepstakes, and we actually have one that's going on right now for spring, which is a stay, dine, and wine package in Woodenville and Bothell. So you get to stay at a great bed and breakfast, oh. and then there's wine tasting at four um, four wineries in Woodenville, and then there's dining at Russell's Restaurant. Oh, so fun! Yeah. Well, you can do it all, and if you need a guide, Tasting Room Magazine is certainly a great guide because you've got uh, well. Great pictures. I always like the shots, the bottle shots. The wines always look just perfect, like they're going to pop out of the magazine. We take those into the studio and and take great care and trying to make the. No, no, (laughs) no, actually not. But that's, you know. Spray tan. There's no, there's there's something about, you know, our readers, that's why they're, they're buying. And subscribing to the magazine. They like the beautiful pictures. It's like armchair tra- travel. They like looking at the bottles. They like looking at uh, beautiful vineyards. So, you know, that's one thing that you can't get on the internet. You can't get a, a two page spread of a vineyard or, or beautiful pictures of Without bottles. some pop up commercials right. going on your exactly. screen. Exactly. Right? Well, this is a lovely magazine. I enjoy it because when you ever want to unplug, you can just dive into Washington Wine Country with Washington Tasting Room Magazine. Well, Adine, Vitaly, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thanks, Christopher. Oh, hey, and I want to, let's do an announcement. Let's, let's pick the winner on air sometime. Oh, that would Can be great. That? that would be a that lot of fun. That would be really fun. Um, hey, well, stay tuned to Happy Hour Radio. Coming up, I've got Tom Hedges of Hedges Family Estate. And uh, if you'd like to check us out online, you can visit, well, if you want to plug in, check us out online at happyhourradio.net. We've got some archives of previous shows and lots of great guests and if you want to send a question email it to ask at happyhourradio.net we'll be right back
19th through 21st, the world is converging on Walla Walla. The world of Syrah, that is. Celebrate Walla Walla Valley Wine, the world of Syrah, with winemaker panels, tastings, dining, and more. Compare Syrah wines from Casa Robles and Sonoma, California, Yara Valley, Australia, and over 60 Walla Walla wineries. Get tickets at wallawallawine.com slash celebrate. Don't wait. Space is limited, and it's filling up fast. That's wallawallawine.com slash celebrate. Hi, this is Christopher Chan, your host of Happy Hour Radio. Hey, join me Friday, April 25th for Reserve Night in Woodenville. The best of 90-plus rated vintages, winemakers, food, and lots of fun. Check out WoodenvilleWineCountry.com. The glass is always half full. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Woodenville Wine Country's 90-point-plus Reserve Night, with the Commodore of Cocktails, Christopher Chan. And welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your Commodore. Uh, we're going to take it easy. We're going to slow down, and we got three times. We got two times a lady here. We're not Happy Hour Radio with the Dean Vitale and Lisa Bear, uh, my guests on the previous segments. But right now, uh, there's a story out there about uh, a guy who started a winery way back when. It's a story you've heard, but this guy was in the '80s. This guy goes back. This guy saw. He had the epiphany. He saw the, the burning bush, so to speak. Uh, Tom Hedges, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you. So, um, gosh, where do we start? You're a guy born in Richland, Washington, so you're salt of the earth back there, and I probably got a little radiation on you. <laughs> Parcel downwinder, correct. <laughs> and uh, you somehow met a beautifully talented woman named Anne-Marie, and uh, what happened? Well, I was actually on a summer program in uh, Guadalajara, as was she, but with, with a different university. I was studying business in Mexico. She was studying Spanish. And we met at a party over tequila. And now this is 39 years ago, so people smoked back then. And she's sitting in front of me, and I'm kind of, you know, like to meet her. So she translates from French to English, and she says, uh, Excuse me, have you fire, please? Ah. That was the burning? No, that wasn't the burning. Something burning, maybe. Fire? <laughs> Get it? So that's the literal translation, to, to a du feu. And to I said, uh, well, yes, yeah, sure. She had a Marlboro at the time, so that's how we met. Wow. That's just like the movies. Uh, hum, do I look like Humphrey Bogart? No, a little bit, maybe. except you not have you don't have the uh, the fedora there and <laughs> the overcoat. Um, and this ain't any gin joint of all the gin joints. And this is Happy Hour Radio. So you're in Gu- Guadalajara, and what you were pen pals after that because this is no internet. Uh, Long distance phone calls were probably a little staticky at that time. We wrote letters. She yeah. went back to France. She was actually living in Paris, going to this finishing school called Toulon. And I was at Thunderbird uh, Graduate School in Arizona, and I went back, and I said, okay, I'm coming over in six months, and we're going to get married. I think she thought I was joking, but I wasn't. That's a man with a plan. And uh, how long were you in Guadalajara? Did you have some chance? I mean, it was more than just a a, a tufi. You had more going on, you were there for a week or a month? Three three months, and get this, um, I had a thesis project, kind of like a thesis. It was an international business school, and we had this little group we formed to, to do a project. And it was called uh, Cuatro Burros S.A.A., or the Four Donkeys Incorporated. <laughs> and guess what our project was? The tequila industry. Really? Yeah. 
this this has nothing to do with me enjoying wine or liking wine. It was way before that. I was 24 years old. So I studied the tequila industry in Mexico in 1975. I wish I'd had money. I know. Gosh, you uh, you, that was a bandwagon to have jumped on because it was really rustic back then. Well, I remember sitting in the office of Mr. Sousa. He wasn't, Senior so, he wasn't so important then that he wouldn't accept a humble little college student like me. And they had one chart on the wall, and it showed production and consumption. And I'm sitting there waiting for 15 minutes, and I'm looking at this and looking at this and saying, they have this backwards. How can consumption be way past production? Oh, They were depleting inventory at a rapid rate, meaning, wow, this is a good time to get in the tequila business. Right. And uh, I'm a big tequila fan. That's so funny because uh, tequila's come a long way. They've cleaned it up. It's uh, no longer uh, the co- – well, it's funny because I think most of our tequila experiences happen in college. I've got some memories. They were, you know, they were shipping it to the border, to Nogales and other, other border cities in tankers and then bottling it in the U.S. That's the deal. That was the deal. So it was low end back yeah, then. Yeah, Potters is, is still using that uh, business model. Here, speaking with Tom Hedges of Hedges Family Estate. So uh, let's move over. Th- we got three months now, and you went to Paris, and ha ha. My wife changed my clothes immediately. I had logger boots on and a Pendleton coat, and she said, No. No. This does not work. Yeah. So I lived in Paris for six months, kind of worked for the family business. Her parents uh, had a clothing company, and I decided I didn't like that. So. <laughs> We left, came back to the U.S., and... You were a man making decisions. Those were the days, right? <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> well, my French wasn't so good that any, just anybody would hire me. It needed some work. But anyway, we came back to the U.S., and I got a job hired right here in Seattle at the Westin, one of the Weston Towers. This is 20... No, 38 years ago? Eddie Carlson. Uh, Dole. I went to work for Dole, Castle and Cook Food. So I was a banana guy and a pineapple guy huh. up in Vancouver. Wow, this is great. I love I'll, this I have story. an agricultural life. All I ever wanted to be was a race car driver, and yes. I ended up having this agriculture background, and thankfully so. In the you were end. racing trucks. <laughs> no, actually, it was racing in my mind because I didn't have any money. But And uh, I understand that Amory's family was from Champagne. Is that correct? Or Correct. They, they, in fact, they still live there. Oh. In fact, Amory is there today. In what town? Uh, it's not the producing region. It's the clothing region, and a lot of people don't know that. But the north of Champagne is where all the grapes are grown pretty much, and uh-huh. the south of Champagne near Troyes, T-R-O-Y-E-S, is where her family had a business for four generations. Wow. Made nylon stockings in World War II. There you go. Oh, hey, GI. That's right. <laughs> they, were, they were doing well with Hershey bars and nylons, I'm sure. Um, well, so let's move forward into the wine business. And did uh, Henri turn you on to wine in Paris? Were you drinking some uh, Beaujolais Nouveau or some uh, Rosé? Or... Now, wait a minute. She's from Champagne. Oh, well, we he's drink talking champagne. about Champagne. <laughs> and in Champagne, the locals drink Champagne all the time. It's, just, it's a beverage. It's their beverage. Yeah. It's so, a good beverage. Yeah, and it's a little cheaper over there. So we yeah. drank it every day, pretty much every day. Well, well, you are certainly a ladies' man if you're drinking champagne every day. And so you are now uh, uh, shopping, <laughs> what is it, shucking bananas and pineapples, and then you're making pina coladas, I imagine. No. Daiquiris. Not really, but no, it was, uh, it was just it was good marketing training, though. Oh, and yeah. uh, I started out hanging these uh, big... Banana rafts in supermarkets in Alberta and Edmonton and Vancouver. <laughs> Not much to do with wine. Okay, so um, you came. You started a wine company yourself, though. You were a negociant early on, or you started. You were working for a distributor in 1986. My my friend and an attorney uh, got me an interview with a guy, and I ended up uh, working as a broker 
to ship produce, which I was good at, okay. to Taiwan. It's a long story. I can't do it all. But, but in the end, the Taiwanese government, after about two months of working with this guy, William Xu, over in Taipei, got out of the monopoly import of alcoholic beverages. So okay. William says, Tom, sign up all the great wineries on the, east, on the west coast of the United States. We're going to be a wine importer. Cool. That, that's cool. how I got in the wine business. Ah, I see. Now, only if Mr. Sousa had said that to you <laughs> in Guadalajara. Well, yeah. and uh, so you started as a negotiator or a broker, and what were some of the labels you were uh, shipping over to Taiwan or to Asia? I don't think anybody here is old enough to remember this one. Staten Hills Pink Riesling. Oh, yeah. Staten Hills, which is the site of Treveri, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So okay. that was my first ever sale for this company. One full container. It, it was Riesling, Johannesburg Riesling, with a, a small percentage of Baco Noir. Baco Noir. Blended in. And uh, sadly, this wine um, was stuck on the docks in Kaohsiung in the mm. month of May for 30 days. All right. Without refrigeration. Double ferment. So <laughs> you can imagine. The next, I think it was a telex back in. The next telex I got said, please send more capsules and more labels and more corks. Yeah. So wow. they all pushed up. They got hot. And, sure. And, and then they moved it to a warehouse in Taipei, which was cool because it was underground, and a typhoon hit and flooded it. And <laughs> Anyway. What's the third strike here? Yeah, those were, those were two. I imagine you'll have another one. But uh, it's a strike of good luck because you realized after shipping all these wines and this product to Taiwan and Asia that you could start. You wanted better quality, so you wanted to do your own deal? That Well, that came a little later. And then I ran into a guy who was representing um, the Wine Commission, and he hooked me up with the Swedish government. Was that, that was my uh, big first sale of a Hedges brand. Oh, right. And you still have a great relationship with them, right? Still do. Still have Swedish partners after 25 years. Excellent. Minority partners. It, it's worked out great. And you should be sponsoring that uh, Swedish ski team or whatever they call it. <laughs> I haven't seen the budget, Chris, but probably not. I'm <laughs> uh, speaking with Tom Hedges of Hedges Family Estate. And so you and Anne-Marie have two beautiful children. Um, gosh, they're, they're young adults. I mean, actually, they're adults. They're full-grown full adults. And that's Christoph and Sarah. Correct. And uh, they're part of the family estate. And what's uh, what are their roles? Sarah is assistant winemaker and will be promoted in March of next year when my brother Pete, the head winemaker, leaves. She will be head winemaker. And my son Christoph, uh, you're right, he's turning 37, so he's not that young. He is uh, head of uh, marketing sales. I got to see Christoph at uh, the Hong Kong Development Trade Council, and he was speaking about uh, the trade to China. And uh, it was very fitting to know that uh, those were your roots, and he has stepped into those shoes and, and has become a spokesperson for the family and a guardian of Red Mountain, which we'll get into. Your first, uh, your first vintage for Hedges was what? 1987. 1987. So quick, someone do the math. This is uh, 30 to... This will be our 28th. 28th year. Yeah. Very cool. Well, this has been such a treat for me with Happy Hour Radio that we've had uh, Brian Carter celebrating 30 years, Chris Camarda celebrating 25 years, uh, Emil Nino celebrating 40 years as a wine shop guy, and um, just these hallmarks, uh, uh, milestones, if you will. And it's only getting more fun, isn't it, the, what, the wine business? Well, you, you, after 27, 28 vintages, you kind of figure it out. And if you haven't, <laughs> then you're not in business. You're somewhere else, hopefully. And uh, I know that Hedges was um, it has gone through a little renaissance. You've, you, you 
with Christoph's vision, you've sort of rebranded the property and uh, expanded some production and become more of a, uh, a friendlier household wine that, that still maintains a high level of quality. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, I saw that you brought a 1999 Hedges Three Vineyards, and unfortunately, you know, we send more corks, right? That's what we needed. Um, the darned uh, that was unlucky. Chlorine Just gas unlucky. got that one, and uh, I have a. Um, well, you're you're making Syrah, you're making Cab, you're making a white blend, a red blend, and tell us all the wines that you're producing. Well, there's there's three different labels with different brands, frankly, and um, they're quite particular. Red, the Red Mountain is the is the epitome or the the apex of our our um, wines, and they're all a state bottle. We have 130 acres that we farm, uh, planted to Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Syrah, Cabernet Franc, and Malbec in that order. And so most of our wines uh, that are Red Mountain are blends. We have a club uh, where we sell um, what we call Red Mountain Limited which is four or five barrel selections. and uh, um, But it, they're blends. Um, other than the Syrah, and, and, and the Syrah is an interesting concept. You can look at the label and get confused a little bit if you're not careful. Um, I'm going to comment on the Syrah because uh, it's 100%. It's a state-grown from a 20-acre vineyard called Lagos, which means the kids, oh. who will inherit it all anyway, right? So. <laughs> but um, Wait, that's like the Bonaparte tax. The, uh, everything's split between the children. That's right. Yeah. Equally, uh-huh. by law, no probate, no talk, no lawyers, no nothing in France. And so some guys, you know, a child will end up with 10 rows here and another one will have 10 rows over here. And it makes uh, the vineyards interesting in France, I found out. It's for negotiants. It's the problem solver. Anyway, the, the, you, you see the wine is not labeled with Syrah on the front label, and it's all written in French. And that was uh, done because, um, as you know, Syrah became... Um, a less than super positive um, varietal, and I think it's because there was a lot of cheap Syrah out there that tasted kind of funny. But uh, we have a consultant from the south of France who's actually a Swede, but he's French. Anyway, that's complicated. <laughs> but we asked him what our best grape was uh, in 1997. He said Syrah. He so said we, Syrah. Syrah. Syrah, as they say. Accent on the Syrah and not the Rah. Anyway, he said plant Syrah. So we planted it, and then we planted it again. So we have about 27 acres. Uh, the problem is, if it's not if not presented correctly, uh, people don't necessarily want to buy it. If you pour it in their glass, they'll drink it. So what we did, because my wife is French, and the wine tastes much like uh, Hermitage or Cote Roti, Northern Rhone style, we we used her family name on there, and it's worked great. And there's a story about how we met on the back, and how oh. her grandfather was a Chevalier du Taste of Van, oh, and all so kind of cool stuff. So. Well, let's get back to that story when we come back from this break here on Happy Hour Radio, speaking with Tom Hedges of Family Hedges Family Estate. Uh, stay tuned to Happy Hour Radio. If you enjoy fine wine, you're in the right place at the right time. Washington is home to over 700 wineries and now has more 90-plus rated wines than any region in the world. On April 25th, uncork the best of the best during Woodenville Reserve Night at Willows Lodge. This is arguably the richest evening of wine in the Northwest. Nothing but award-winning 90-plus rated Washington vintages. Woodenville Reserve Night. It doesn't get any better than this. See WoodenvilleWineCountry.com. Hey, this is Chris Gorman from Gorman Winery, and you are listening to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan on 570 KVI. 
June 19th through 21st, the world is converging on Walla Walla. The world of Syrah, that is. Celebrate Walla Walla Valley Wine, the world of Syrah, with winemaker panels, tastings, dining, and more. Compare Syrah wines from Casa Robles and Sonoma, California, Yara Valley, Australia, and over 60 Walla Walla wineries. Get tickets at wallawallawine.com slash celebrate. Don't wait. Space is limited, and it's filling up fast. That's wallawallawine.com slash celebrate. Grab a stool. You're listening to Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Woodenville Wine Country's 90-point-plus Reserve Night with master mixologist Christopher Chan. Hey, and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio here on 570 KVI. Uh, I have the pleasure of speaking with Lisa Bear, Adine Vitale, and right now Tom Hedges of Hedges Family Estate. So, Tom, you uh, met uh, Henri in Guadalajara, Mexico. You met Mr. Sousa in Guadalajara. You could have been in tequila, but instead you're in wine. And you just poured me a glass of the 2011 Cuvée Marcel Dupont from Red Mountain or Montagne Rouge. <laughs> yeah, not a bad accent, Chris. Not Merci bad. Beaucoup. Not bad. Uh, and it's delicious. So, uh, Syrah was uh, once celebrated and then much maligned, and now it's back in. Um, I think we figured it out. I remember as a buyer, um, we were a Cabin Merlot producing state, a Bordeaux blend state, and uh, the first Syrahs that came out were 40 bucks and two years of New French Oak. That's exactly how we built them, just like a cab back then. And it didn't work. It didn't work, and then people got to figure it out, and we were growing it where, and where did it work? And um, Well, I think you figured it out, and uh, Peter, to his credit, uh, is was doing the Syrah for you as well? Pete, that's correct. Pete, yeah. And uh, I know that Sarah uh, has a lovely husband, a handsome young man, uh, Goodheart, mm-hmm. and uh, she's doing a Syrah project herself. Right, it's called Goodheart Family. Goodheart Family. And uh, that comes from a certain... Uh, a uh, spot located at a thousand feet at the top of our Bellevilla Vineyard. It's a six egg, six acre parcel. Uh, the vines were planted in 1997, and they are all Phelps clone. Uh, but planted due north south, um, and spaced I think at five by nine. Uh, so that those vines today, 17 years old. Yeah. Versus the wine you're tasting, which was planted on a seven by five. At 11-degree slope to the west, 11-degree angle, excuse me, instead of north-south, uh, one-third uh, Tablas Creek, which is a proprietary clone owned by, I think it's Chaputier, mm-hmm. um, Interlado, and uh, two-thirds of the Phelps clone. And that's a 20-acre parcel planted 100% to Syrah. Uh, interestingly enough, people always ask me, so you planted a vineyard until you get your grapes like three four years later? We planted this vineyard in March of 2007, and in 2008, we got two tons per acre. Wow. One year later, and the wine was spectacular. Holy smokes. That's, yeah. that's highly unusual. I mean, those... The bank loved it, I can tell you. <laughs> well, I'm sure you loved it, too. Um, and let's just step back a minute. So you're talking about the Phelps clone. That's the Joseph Phelps out of California. He had a Syrah clone that was named after him. Is that correct? That's correct. That... And then we're talking about Tablas Creek, which is... Uh, um, those vines were from uh, Jaboulet or... Uh, it's one of those. Gigal, maybe? Gigal, I may yeah. have it wrong. I'm not sure if it's Chaputier yes. or Gigal. They have a partnership right. in Australia, I believe, Okay. also. Yes, they do. And Tolado's a big company. So, uh, interesting. This is a very young Syrah. I can't believe this is fourth leaf. The 2011 is fourth leaf. This yeah. is amazing. You got a good sight there. And were you the first Chateau, so to speak, on Red Mountain? Uh, well, if you look at our building, it's it's the the average wine person's 
concept of a chateau. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah, yeah. But as you know, chateau in, in France simply means, in the grape industry, simply means you bottle the wine on the loca- on the property. So yeah, you, could property. Have a, you could have a, you know, a metal building. <laughs> and, uh, but Kiona, An Airstream. Kiona was there. And uh, that was that was about it. There were some smaller guys, but Kiona preceded us. And uh, you know, my wife's from France, and there's not a lot of local architecture in Tri Cities. Tri Cities is very young; it didn't become a city until the '50s. Right. Richland didn't, anyway, which is where I'm from. So uh, we had to pick something, and um, since we didn't have any money, we had a lot of time to come up with architectural concepts. And in the <laughs> end, we picked the, what I call the Bordeaux. Um, the Bordeaux style. Yeah, the Maison de Bordeaux, living, the Chateau. Living upstairs, which is what we still do. We live, <laughs> we live upstairs. It's a beautiful property, and uh, I'm speaking with Tom Hedges, the, um, well, are you the founder, right? Founder with my wife, correct. Tom and Anne-Marie Hedges, founders of Hedges Family Estate. You can check out their property and their wines and their story, their history, and uh, great pictures as well um, at hedgesfamilyestate.com. Now, let's talk about uh, the Biodynamique and the Guardians of Montan Rouge. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> so, uh, when did you go? Are you 100% biodynamic now? No, we're not. And and uh, we hired um, a consultant. Um, you know, my son. I, I want to let him do the things he wants to do, and my daughter. And and uh, so they started talking about biodynamic, and I kind of knew what it was. Uh, we hired the consultant that Christophe, Christophe Baron was using, mm-hmm. and uh, I can't remember his name right now, but he came from uh, Domaine de Marcus in Chateauneuf. And um, so he said, you know, don't, don't do it all at once. You want to see if you like it. And interestingly, about six months before that, we had a British wine writer, and uh, he was coming through the vineyard. I'm a bit old school. So I asked him, what do you think? Does it work? Does biodynamic actually work? And he said, oh, yeah. First year, you won't like it. Second year, it's a little better. And the third year, you'll see it makes better wine. And what happened? Exactly what he said. We, and is this property here, this particular wine you have, is this a, the this one is This one's almost, but not quite. So it's the Hedges uh, Estate Vineyard, the first one we planted back in 1990. Okay. It's 100% Demeter certified biodynamic uh, as of 2011. And then Christoph and Maggie have their own four-acre Cabernet Vineyard, which is also certified Demeter biodynamic. Wow. So where do you get cow horns these days? Uh, you know, antique shop. We don't go out and cut them. <laughs> nah. But, no, we, you don't have to do that. Oh, really? But they are very strict. And, yeah. and the one thing that I found fascinating is you cannot put grown with biodynamically uh, certified grapes on the label unless you make the wine that, that it conforms to the Demeter certification oh, yeah. of biodynamics, as opposed to organics, where you can have wine made from organically grown grapes it's, or fully organic wine, which is more difficult. You can't do that with biodynamics. It has to be made. The wine has to be made in a fashion following their uh, directions. That's such an appellation origin controle law. I mean, it's just rigid, huh? Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, you know, being a Francophile, I don't mind that. I don't mind it either. It's cool. It's it's really fun. So for all of our happy hour radio listeners out there, biodynamic was uh, Adolf Steiner. I think it was a German uh, Rudolf. I'm sorry, yeah, Rudolf. (laughs) Sorry, get my German Rudolf (laughs) Rudolf Steiner in the 30s started this uh, movement to uh, to sort of remind everyone that the soil is living and uh, the biodynamics of soil. So you you bury a cow horn stuffed with manure, or is it what's in there? Oh, magic tea. Magic tea. And then you uh, harvest at the uh, full full of the moon. Phases of the moon are important, and, and people will laugh. But if you look at tides, 
the moon moves water. Oh, so yeah. The grape, the, the moisture in the grape, the water in the grape, and then, you know, most things are mostly water. It has uh, its effect. It's, it's affected by the, by the moon. moon. That's it. It's important. And uh, 1990 is the estate. And how much property do you have? How many vineyard acres do you have there at the uh, property in Red Mountain? At this, at the, 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 the mother block, we call it, the first 50 acres we bought is 50 acres. Duh. And that, <laughs> so that's where the winery is. And then we bought another 40 up the hill, which is called Belle Villa. And then we leased this 20-acre block that is Lagos from uh, Department of Natural Resources. Oh. And those leases go forever. And then we bought with um, some friends uh, and partners uh, a vineyard, which we call Rockwell Brown. Oh, which yeah. we have simply, we've recently purchased 100% of. Uh, and that is another 20-acre, which is almost 100% Cabernet. Yes, George Brown and Elizabeth Brown producing uh, Rockwell Brown Red. Um, who else? There was a big auction on Red Mountain recently, 620 acres or something? 650, I believe. Not all of which was in the AVA, but most, about 90%. And uh, I was there, along with a lot of people I knew. Um, and we all, you know, we all kind of do each other. <laughs> and in walks this guy, um, this is not meant to be derogatory, but he has a turban on. And everybody looks at him like, who is that? He doesn't look like a wine person we know. Well, he was representing a family in Vancouver called the Aquilinis. And in the end, they bought everything, all of it, 100%. And they just bought last week another 700 acres in the horse heavens. Wow. You may not have heard about that. I did not hear about that. So they now have 1,350 acres of grapes or potential grape land uh, in the Horse Heaven AVA and the Red Mountain AVA, and they have an 1,100-acre dairy farm in Sunnyside. I believe it's 1,100 acres. And 10,000 acres of blueberries and and uh, cranberries in the Fraser Valley in Canada. Those are Holy our neighbors. Smokes. Those are our neighbors. Wow. Well, this is exciting times for Washington State. I know that I'll have Dennis Cakebread here coming up uh uh, next week's show, and he's going to chat about his property that he bought here in Walla Walla. And I know that Duckhorn purchased some property in Red Mountain. Is that correct? Duckhorn is our neighbor on, yeah. on one quarter mile. Yep. Well, if you want to check all these uh, these happening news, you got to find Tasting Room Magazine. We're going to get a Dean Vitale on that. Find your writers. Where are they? Get the hot. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> and uh, Lisa Bear, I'm sure that uh, you could be looking at some new grape sources down the line for your Columbia Valley blends. And yeah, lots of possibilities. <laughs> lots of possibilities. Well. Uh, this is a fantastic wine. I'm going to go back to the Red Mountain Syrah. It just says Cuvée Marcel Dupont. It is uh, 2011. It's it's a beautiful wine, well-textured. It's Syrah, 100% Syrah, which I like. Correct. 100% varietals to me. You know, there's no fake in it. There's no makeup. It's This is who I am. <laughs> I'm 100% me most of the time. And it's not two two years of new French oak. It's about one third. Yeah, it's well. That's see, it's just you know, Syrah is a really as, as much as you say it's you can't hurt it or kill it. Um, it's a gentle grape as far as taking on oak. It just needs a little bit. Absolutely true. Just balance. Uh, great depth. It, it smells great. Uh, the pe- pepper and uh, jerky and. Um, you can just a touch of that toffee vanilla from the oak, but uh, fantastic. I'm sure that'll be long-lived, just like the Bear Ursa 2010 will be long-lived. And um, mark my words, find those wines uh, uh, here at hedgesfamilyestate.com. And you do, what, 12 wines now? No, 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 no. I think six, seven, maybe seven. Seven wines. Seven, yeah, yeah. I like, and, to, like to keep it simple. We started with just one. For many years, we only had one. And you're going to have a race car red? <laughs> race car white, F1 something? 
Uh, I'm involved in a museum down in Tacoma called the LeMay Museum, and we are the official wine there. So we have wines with race cars on them, uh, but they're not for general public sale. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's so fun to hear this story. Uh, Tom Hedges, uh, I would love to have Anne-Marie and to have her version of the story, if it really was a, a, a cigarette or was it tequila. Not to mention with her accent. She sounds way better than me on radio. Oh, we always enjoy the uh, the integrity of the accents, the international flavor here on Happy Hour Radio. Well, Tom Hedges, this is a great story. Um, I appreciate your time and sharing it, and I look to drink some more wine with you down the road. Thank you very much, Chris. Thanks thank, for having me. Thank you. Hey, uh, coming up on the show, for next week, let's talk about uh, uh, Happy Hour Radio. I got John Patterson of Patterson Cellars. Um, we're going to chat about more Woodenville and the Reserve Night and where he got started. It's quite an interesting story. Uh, and one of my longtime friends, uh, I've known this guy for over 30 years, Keith Robbins of Teeny Biggs. Um, we're going to talk about martinis and martunis and marthrinis and uh, bourbon and all the fun things at Teeny Biggs and uh, down there on First and Denny. And like I said earlier, Dennis Cakebrit of Cakebrit Winery of Napa and soon-to-be Walla Walla will be in studio. We'll chat about his history. He's uh, a storied man and be fun to... To get to know him a little better. Hey, so don't forget, uh, I'll see you in Reserve Night in Woodenville Friday, April 25th. It's the last call for Passport to Woodenville May 3rd and 4th. And s- make your plans for Celebrate Syrah. Mmm, this is good Syrah. June 19th and 21, June 19th to 21st, that is, in Walla Walla Wine Alliance. It's putting on a big party. Check out tickets at Walla Walla Wine. Hey, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio today. You can find us, our old shows, our previous shows, and all of our great guests on happyhourradio.net. And a reminder, remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Faith, family, flag, and freedom. That is all. This is Talk Radio 570 KVI. June 19th through 21st, the world is converging on Walla Walla. The world of Syrah, that is. Celebrate Walla Walla Valley Wine, the world of Syrah, with winemaker panels, tastings, dining, and more. Compare Syrah wines from Casa Robles and Sonoma, California, Yara Valley, Australia, and over 60 Walla Walla wineries. Get tickets at wallawallawine.com slash celebrate. Don't wait. Space is limited, and it's filling up fast. That's wallawallawine.com slash celebrate. If you enjoy fine wine, you're in the right place at the right time. Washington is home to over 700 wineries and now has more 90-plus rated wines than any region in the world. On April 25th, uncork the best of the best during Woodenville Reserve Night at Willows Lodge. This is arguably the richest evening of wine in the Northwest. Nothing but award-winning 90-plus rated Washington vintages. Woodenville Reserve Night. It doesn't get any better than this. See woodenvillewinecountry.com. Tom.